Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Becca Boom over Zoom video. Becca Boom was born and raised in Orange County, and she talked about how she got into music, moved around quite a bit in Orange County, spent a good chunk of her life in Temecula, which is just north of San Diego. So we talk a bit about that, and uh, now in Menifee, which I know quite a bit about, so we, we chatted, <laughs> chatted up her, her uh, hometown. She started singing at a very early age. She was always the kid that wanted to sing in front of the class, would take the mic during karaoke and never put it down. She started writing songs at a very early age as well. She ended up getting a meeting with BMI at like 15 years old based off some of her YouTube videos. She signed her first deal at 16 and since has written number one songs for a ton of artists. She's worked with J-Lo, Madison Beer, R. Kelly, Blackpinks, a bunch of K-pop bands, had a number one in Australia. And she tells us all about her songwriting and her artist project. She just released a brand new song under Becca Boom. It's called Anime Eyes. You can watch our interview with Becca on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Becca Boom. Well, hello, Becca. Thank you so much again for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so excited. Awesome. Awesome. I'm Adam, and uh, this is about you and your journey in music and all about the new song. I think it came out today, right? It did. Yeah, it came out at midnight. So, yeah. Awesome. I love it. I had a chance to hear it a few days ago. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome song, so I'd love to talk to you about that as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, we always start off uh, where you're born and raised. Where were you born and raised? So um, I was born and raised in Orange County. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Southern California then? Yeah. Okay, but, cool. Yeah, I just My whole life, I've just gone more and more south. And as much as I work in LA, I've never lived in LA. <laughs> Really? How south are you yeah. now? Are you in San Diego? I'm like right in between San Diego and LA. And so I'm kind of like, so I'm in a place near somewhere called Temecula. Oh, I know. Exa- uh, I'm from San Diego. So you, okay, I nice. know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah. are you in Temecula? Um, I'm like right next to it. It's in this place called Menifee. Oh, yes. I know yeah, Menifee. I'm kind of like new and up and coming, but sure. I was fortunate enough to um buy a house out here like a year and a half ago so at the time it was like you oh know, yeah get the biggest best houses for the i mean i've probably the cheapest in california so i know I, I remember when that was booming actually yeah. my my wife used to work this is a handful of years ago she used to work for the community college there Okay. And Menifee. It was like by a taco shop and like, uh, I can't remember, but yeah. Is it, it's is there, it Mountain Essential? Is it that one? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's okay, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she used to work for them. Like this is years okay. ago. 
That's so I know men, I know Menifee quite well. And that's also how you can get to like the 10 to get out to uh, Palm Springs and, and all that. Right. It's like one of those places is like, it's close, but at the same time, far from everything. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour from Orange County. It's like an hour and a half from LA. It's an hour to San Diego, probably an hour to Palm Springs. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of central East there for sure. Yeah. Were you, so you, were you born there or no? You said Orange County. Orange County. Yeah. Okay. Where did you grow up then? What part of Orange County? Um, I lived in this place called Rancho Santa Margarita. Okay. I know that place as well. Yeah. Those are kind of like my first memories. I'm sure I lived in other areas, but, um, I really like have memories starting to remember my life in Rancho Santa Margarita. So. Okay. And then did you go to, when did you move to Menifee? Is that recent? Cause you said you bought a house there. Yeah. So I recently moved to Menifee, but I did live in Temecula for years. Um, oh, okay. That was probably when I was 10 ish, 10, 11. Um, yeah. And then it was, and then I lived in Corona for a little bit before that. Um, so it was just like gradually. Oh, you've been I mean. bouncing around. Like, yeah. You've been bouncing yeah. around Southern California there for a bit. Sounds yeah. like awesome. It's funny because I've never even been to Northern California either, like living in Cali my whole life. Really? Uh, yeah. So like, I only know SoCal life. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I lived in the the Bay area or in San Francisco for a handful of years as well. And then came back down to San Diego, but now I moved to Tennessee. So I live in Nashville now. Oh, I was just there. I oh, shot, really? I shot the video for my song in Nashville. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Awesome. Do you come out here quite often? So, you know, <clears throat> it's something new that started. Um, so for years, I really wanted to write a country song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, my career has just taken a very interesting turn of events. You know, obviously, always the goal was for me to be an artist. And I kind of got pulled in all these different directions from people around me and from saying you'd get money and you'd get this. And, you know, if you do that, then you'll just become an artist because you have the money for it. And it's, you know, it's much more complicated than everybody made it sound. But I was 16, 17, 18 around all these adults, you know. Um, so, you know, one of my first cuts was R. Kelly. You know, I came right. in like the rap girl, trap girl, whatever. Then I got a super pop song with Jessica Malboy in Australia. Mm-hmm. I worked with Lucas Graham, did ultra pop records in Denmark. You know what I mean? Um, so I have all these things and it was like every stage in my career. It's like, oh, well, you do that. So you can't write this type of song and you do that. So you can't write that type of song. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you just get typecast so quickly. So now I have kind of unintentionally become the K-pop girl. Right. Right. Is, right. Like, it's great. I, you know, I, love yeah, it. I want to talk to you about that because that's such a cool uh, venture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a big blessing, you know, but at the same time it comes with, well, you know, now I can only write for K-pop artists. Right. Now you're the K-pop. Exactly. The thing, right. So I went to multiple people saying, Hey, I really want to write a country song. And for a certain part of my life, you know, my, I grew up listening to Shania Twain and Garth Brooks and all these people. And um, I'm just one of those people that like can do and love lots of different types of music, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought it to people and they're like, well, mm, I don't think that's going to fit for you. I don't think that's going to work. So actually that this last year has just been like a really eye-opening for me about a lot of things. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm just going to pay for my flight. I'm going to pay for my ticket. 
And I'm going to hit up people I know that have been Mm -hmm. and just see if they know anyone that will let me work with them, you know? Um, And so I did my first trip out there earlier this year and I got to work with um, Sam Sumsner and Sean Small who did Lizzo's Juice. And I got to like just really dope, amazing people. And I I only, I ended up only doing one country song, but I think it's so beautiful. And the people that I did play it for that are country, country are like, this is like, this isn't even country pop. This is like country, country. That's cool. Like melodies. So yeah. I'm super excited. I hope that that's eventually something that happens, you know, mm-hmm. along my career. But yeah. It's well, what's interesting things. about Nashville is it's not all country. I mean, I moved right. here thinking that I'm not a big fan. Of, I'm, it's terrible to say, but I'm not a huge fan. of. <laughs> I mean, I don't really love country music. I didn't move here being like, I love country music. I right. can't wait to get to Nashville. Yeah. It's like I, I moved here and there's, every genre of music you could possibly think of and people yeah. that have wrote the biggest pop songs or the biggest right. you know, that live here in this town. It's crazy. Yeah, it's true. It's actually shot. Like I went there and I was so ready for, I was like telling everybody cause I'd never been. And as you know, I've gone to Japan and Korea and all these places. I really haven't traveled in America. So <laughs> I was like, when I get there, I'm like, I bet that when there's not even like sliding doors, it's like saloon doors. And <laughs> You're like, I gotta get a cowboy like, hat. I gotta yeah, get some like spurs. Someone's like, gonna be standing outside the airport like this town ain't big enough for a table, <laughs> right. right? Like I was gonna have to do a standoff to get shoot off standoff sure. to get into the city. Like some wagon will pick you up. And then nobody had an accent. And I was so mad. I'm like, everybody sounds normal, like from, from Cali. Well, or, there know, are people. Like, well, I, I will say, though, there's a huge uh, population of California people here that have recently moved, right. which is very interesting. I mean, I was considering it as well, but who knows where that'll go. But yeah, I mean, you know, I wanted a little bit of twang, you know, you wanted some, wanted a couple of y'alls, a couple of y'alls, you know, like <laughs> I just wanted some. Hey, little lady, you know, like, like a little, just some authentic <laughs> Nashville, sure. you know, but I didn't really get it. So, and then I went back a second time, didn't really get it the second time either. So I'm like, okay, maybe I have to go to Ch- Chattanooga or like maybe oh, I just venture around. a little South. Uh, yeah. Were you actually in Nashville? I live South down in the suburbs. So you, you'll oh, get okay. quite a few y'alls down here. Okay. And some farms. It's yeah, it's quite nice. I mean, for the most part, people were really nice there. So, you know. Yeah, it's I, I thought the same thing, though. I'm like, I'm, this yeah. is going to be a country town. But n- no, it, right. it, you know, all genres know. and, you know, big pop stars live here and, and everything right. else. But OK, well, now I'm curious to go back quite a bit here. Okay. Uh, moved around. Yeah. Were you from a musical household at all? Uh, not really. Well, OK, so I had brothers. Uh, I had a brother and two sisters that would that could sing. Um, and apparently I think my dad used to play the drums, but. Um, I don't have the closest family, um, but at one point in time, everyone was around. And this is when I was like, I'm going to be a superstar. Right. And uh, my whole family, when I would go to sing karaoke, they'd be like, Becca, please let somebody else sing. Like (laughs) nobody (laughs) thought that I was good. Nobody really believed in it. You know, um, actually my grandma would leave the room when I would sing because I wasn't singing gospel music. So I oh, had, that must I have been a, pretty heartbreaking. Like, was I that mean, traumatic? I would, ouch. It was, you know, it's, but it, you know, I had this beautiful thing when I was younger that I'm trying to get back to. And I wish I was like that now, 
but I had this beautiful um, naivety about me when I was young. And so mm-hmm. when someone didn't like what I did, I would just be like, let me replay that. Cause I don't think you were listening. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think I, you heard me. Hang exactly, on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I'm the, I'm the greatest, you know, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like I was that type of like almost delusional type of self-confidence and just, it was just, I loved it so much that I didn't really care. But of course, when you're older, you get like these flashbacks and you're like, Oh damn, like and you can comprehend more, you know, and you know, life more and you've been through things and, um yeah I mean it was definitely tough I mean even in school I would ask my teachers at the end of class can I sing for the class after and some of them would let me wow right and then I would like in school I would always be humming you know and the kids would be like Becca shut up we get it you sing you know what I mean it was like but I I actually went to a school with Tori Kelly and I I went to oh you you, you did okay I was gonna say she grew up out there yeah, so I, yeah. I met her before she blew up, but she was doing YouTube, you know? Oh, yeah, and, she became big on... I've interviewed her before. She's got a cool story as well. Yeah. yeah. She got big off YouTube and just YouTube collaborations. Right, yeah. And, you know, it was just like the way she was treated growing up compared to how I was treated being a singer. It's like, Tori Kelly sings all the national anthems and this and this and that. And then it's oh, like... really? You know, when, yeah, when I tried to do it or, you know, if... Like, I've done it a couple of times. But like, it was never like the people around the school would be like, oh my God, Tori Kelly, you know, and she's great, you know, so I'm not hating on her at all. But like, right. there was never that it was always like, well, we know you like we get it. You know what I mean? It wasn't. So I always felt like I was the underdog and like in my whole life story is just kind of feeling like an underdog. And and but I low key love it because people see me and they don't expect what I can do or what I sound like or whatever. And yeah. they expect me to go do these things. And then I do them and it's the best. And I love it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? Well, coming so, yeah. from like being this person that's always singing, when did you start writing songs? Because that's what kind of really started your career, right? Was songwriting. Yeah. So basically they went hand in hand. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always sang. And then when I was 10, my parents divorced and um, I wrote my first song ever called I'm Stronger about the situation. And mm-hmm. it kind of became where any and everything I went through, like if I liked a boy, if I went through something at school, you know, I would write a song about it. And I went and I showed my mom one day and I was like, hey, do you want to hear the song that I wrote? And I sang it for her. But at the time I had no backing tracks. So I would just hear melodies in my mind and write full songs and remember all the melodies. Oh, wow. And, and just sing it a cappella to your exactly. mom? Exactly. Yeah, I was just wow. Like, so my mom is like, um, so where'd you get this melody from? And I'm like, I heard it in my head. And she goes, you heard it in your head. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, no, but like, is it like a Britney Spears song or like, and I'm like, no. And so I feel like it was around this time. My mom started taking me more seriously. And so I would just like fill notebooks and I'm doing all this because I thought that Destiny's Child was out here writing Bootylicious, right? Like, I had no idea. Like, probably until I was, like, 15, 16, when I really got in the industry and was going to publishers and whatever, I remember I took this meeting at BMI with this guy named Malik Levy, and I sang all my songs a cappella. I didn't have anything recorded. So I just played, but, but I did have tracks at this time. So I played the tracks, and I sang live. And he goes, who's writing these songs with you? And I go, no one. And he goes, no, I know, but like, who? And I'm like, nobody. And he's like, you're writing all of these songs at 16. And I'm like, well, 
somewhere when I was 15. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and he's like, holy crap. And so his next meeting was James Fauntleroy, who, you know, I'm young, I don't know anything, but he has gone on to become just like a huge writer, did a bunch Mm -hmm. bunch of Justin Timberlake. At that time, he was most known for No Air for Jordan Sparks and Chris Brown. So he comes in and I do the same thing for him that I just did for Malik and James starts laughing and he goes, "Um, you're an artist in case you didn't know. And I go, no, I know, you know, <laughs> and uh, no, I know. Going to, you go, yeah, you don't got to tell me twice. Okay. Right. But then, you know, so, but at this time, so that's still the intention is still the intention. And I'm writing all my songs because I'm thinking every artist is writing their songs. So it wasn't until I was like 16 that I even knew that there was this whole undercover songwriting world which is kind of ironic because music was my life you know mm-hmm. um but i just didn't even i didn't know it existed and so like i said i kind of it was kind of like the people around me were like well if you write a number one song you can go and be an artist because you can you can fund yourself and if you do that and you do that and you know i had a single mom we shared a car i lived in temecula i would have to drive you know gas wasn't what it is now but it was a time where gas is really high again you know and I'm driving an expedition every single day, you know, and my mom is like trying to find the money for the gas for me to go and do all these things and live my dreams, you know? And so I got, when I turned 18, I, um, I started working with this lawyer named Daniel Stewart, who just messaged me like days after I got rid of the management I had for, from 16 to 18. And he goes, what's your situation? And from 16 to 18, unfortunately, my management couldn't really get any deals for me. And the one that they did get was just really bad. And I didn't sign it. So real quick, I don't know if you mind backing up for just a quick second. I'm curious to know, how did you get this initial meeting at BMI when you were what you said, 15 years old, 16 years old? Yeah. How did you how did that happen? Did somebody hear your song or? So I had a. um, okay, so. I had management, this guy named Alan Rich managed me and he wrote run to you for Whitney Houston from the bodyguard. So, oh, he, wow. Yeah. So he was like a big songwriter kind of, you know, more. Back how, and how do you meet him? Sorry. I want to oh, like, no, get totally down fine. to this. Okay. So for a very short amount of time, I was doing YouTube videos and I was remixing like hard in the paint by Waka Flocka, but I do all new lyric and I would sing over it. And then I oh, did okay. a pretty girl swag. And that got like 20,000 views in like a day or two. And then it was just like, and then I was like building a presence on Twitter and this and this and that. Got so it. My mom, my mom's stepsister, I guess, used to be an A&R. And she happened to reach out to my mom and I was like, oh, what's going on? How have you guys been? Right. And so my mom sends one of my YouTube videos and she goes, do you mind if I send this to some people? I really think Becca has something special. So she, one of the people she said, okay. rich. Wow. So okay. He cool, rents cool. out a rehearsal space for me and I perform live for him again. <laughs> and he's like, you know, would you let me manage you? So basically that's how that happened. Okay. okay how cool. like a lot of things from 16 to 18 started happening. Um, and then after, you know, our relationship didn't work out. Um, a couple of days later, this guy, Daniel Stewart hits me up and goes, Hey, what's your situation? And I'm like, crazy you would ask i am totally alone and he goes hey well would you want to come to my office so i go meet him it's a friday i play him my new songs tell him what i want to do and he goes you know i get it i see the vision i think you're super special if you let me i'll, I'll start working for you on monday so 
after two years of getting really nothing, three months of working with this lawyer, I got four publishing deal offers. And so I, and that was with no cuts. I had no cuts at the time. It Whoa. was just based off of, you know, your song, yeah. you know? So I decided to go with Warner Chapel. Um, and Which then, is here in Nashville, right? Well, so, they, so it was in um, LA. They have one in LA as well. Yeah. Okay. So they have all these different bases. There's a New York, there's Nashville, there's LA. Got it. So I signed to the LA one. Um, and then that is kind of what got me into the writing thing. But when I signed, I said, I told the girl, look, I'm an artist, but I need money. Mm-hmm. That is why I'm doing this. So when I try to go do my artist thing, don't be upset, you know? And she's like, of course, that's totally, I get it. Um, and of course, that's not how it went. You know, there, there was an issue, you know, because that's the hard thing. Once you become a songwriter, and that becomes your main bread and butter. And that becomes how everybody knows your name. It is very difficult to get people to believe in you or, um, you know, see you as something else because songwriting is the quickest way to a check for most people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So when you want to be an artist, even though you've always been an artist, you've still been doing it the whole time. You know, it's just you've been waiting for opportunities. And I almost had a deal at one time. There's all these things that have happened, you know. Um, But it's really hard to, like, get that, get out from under the shadow of songwriting and, like, step into the light, you know. If somebody Uh, were to want to just, you know, do songwriting, is that something like if you, you sign a deal with Warner Chapel? Obviously, mm-hmm. they put you in rooms now with songwriters, right? Like, okay, we're going to, is that kind of what happens? Or they just go, right, go home and write songs, and then we'll see if we can pitch those to people. Or is it a little bit of both? I mean, it depends. One, oh, okay. you have someone that really believes in you, you know? And then there's a there's the possibility that your A&R leaves or gets fired, right? So now you have right. no one. You got, so you, you have, have your own, you have an A&R at the publishing company that is, you know, as well. It's separate from uh, if you were an artist, like if you're assigned uh, to a label, if you're assigned to a label, if you're signed to Atlantic or whatever, and you have an A&R that picked you up, oh, found you. Okay. Discovery right. you signed you. The same yeah. thing as go, it goes for songwriters. Sorry. I'm just ignorant to it. I was just curious because oh, no, this is so fascinating. Excited. Yeah. So when you sign to a publisher, there are different, there are A&Rs as well. Okay. So got they, you. They're supposed to, you know, try to facilitate things, help you get placements, you know, yeah. Right. That, get you in rooms, right, with other people that are writing songs to help you, what, boost? Like, it puts you in a room with somebody that's writing a song, maybe the pitch for this artist. Right. Got it. Um, but, you know, that is a very, that's that's a long game. That's a, you know. Okay, well, so that's you, way down the line. Well, no, no, it's like, it'll happen. It, it happens when you sign, right? But a lot of these things, it's like, if you don't have a relationship with an artist and you don't have a direct in from knowing somebody, it is very hard that a random session of Whoa. a song, no matter how great it is, it mm-hmm. is very hard to get that song placed. I mean, I've written thousands of songs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some, some of my favorite songs I've ever written never come out, never came out, you know what I mean? Um, so it has to be the right timing, the right situation, the right artist. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then again, like I said, you know, there are some ANRs that are amazing at their job and they're very passionate, but then there's other ones that it's like pulling teeth to try to get a meeting, to try to get those sessions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and-, and meanwhile, are you, are you getting, are you getting paid like a salary? Or are you just like sitting around hoping that you could get uh, <laughs> waiting on the sidelines? Like, all right, am I going to get in and uh, get a chance here? Or how does this work? 
I mean, that's the other thing that it just, <laughs> you know, there's this perception from the outside in, right? Oh, right. you write songs, you do this, you're rich, you're a millionaire. Oh, yeah, that, I was on the radio for 17 years and people thought that. I'm like, only right. if you knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only if you knew. Yeah, I mean, basically, when you sign, you get an advance. But in my okay. case, I had no cuts. And mm-hmm. so my advance. So they're not, wrong. they're just. Yeah, or they're just like, we're going to give you an opportunity here. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know. That's actually, your advance. <laughs> I, know people, I know people that sign deals for a Rolex, like they for a watch, like no money. Like they just got a watch. And then they it was like the worst terms deal ever. Like some people have signed crazy deals, right? My deal was not a good deal. Okay. Um, it was at the end of the MDRC era which is basically it's, it's all about physical sales, mm-hmm. which, you know, is non-existent. Yeah, n- exactly. I mean, it's kind of going back with like people being into records and it's more of, like yeah, that. for vinyl or limited right. stuff, right. Limited it, pressings, it, autographed stuff. It's still not significant enough to mm-hmm. in court, to try to keep the same method that was used when everything only came out on CD and take, right. you know what I mean? Um, so basically I had an eight song MDRC deal, which meant that I had to write 16 songs at 50% and they had to be on an album. Singles didn't count and only stuff in America counted, nothing international counted. So for years, the only credit I had was a 16 point something percent from the R Kelly song and all oh, my Black wow. stuff didn't count. Really? Yes. So I was stuck in that deal for a long time. And I'm very grateful that I got my deal reworked a couple uh-huh. years ago. So that is not my sure. scenario but, anymore. Wow. But, okay. so but that's, that's interesting the how they deal. knock it down to countries and, and, and all of that yeah. too. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, you, got, you have to be very careful. And I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm one of those people. I'm just very real and honest. And I... Maybe I shouldn't say some stuff. I don't know. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. But, you know, there's like this, there's this whole thing, you know, there's an industry thing, you know what right. I mean? And, and there's some, like, I was a young girl at 18 that was like, even if I never got paid, as long as I could sing to the world, you know what I mean? Right, You're right. Like, you, but it's crazy how many writers and artists are in, like, it's so, the industry is oversaturated at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's so many people in it. So for the next young girl or a guy like me, you know, like I would want to kind of put them on game because now that I'm older, I look back, like, weren't you supposed to have my back? Why did I sign this? Why did I do that? Why did this person tell me to do this? You know? And Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that, you know, sometimes you look at a situation and you think, Oh, this is my only chance. This is the deal. I only have this one deal. Right. The thing that's going to, you know, change my life. And, and you know, and I'm sure they kind of make you feel that way too. Like, yeah. you know, Oh, we're at least from my experience in, you know, in radio and everything, they would, they would present you this trash deal right. and sell it to you as if we're giving you this great opportunity. Right. And right. there's a million other people that would take this. So you better take it or you're an right. idiot basically. Right. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you feel that and you feel this pressure. And at the moment you might be like strapped for cash, right? Like mm-hmm. I was, I need money. I need a way to provide this, this and that. I need a car, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. But sometimes if you just hold out a little bit longer, as difficult as it is for you, you know, there'll be something even better waiting. And then you got yourself wrapped, wrapped up in the situation. Like I have been in my deal for 10 years um, this November. Wow. Um, so, it, you know, basically 
from 20 to I'll be 30 and in two years but um (laughs) Uh, okay i'm not even gonna tell you how old i am but yeah so like it's just crazy because i feel like once i turn 22 i am i've never not been 22 like it's just weird like when people ask me my age i'm like i'm 20 (laughs) um but yeah so you know basically like 10 years of my like a huge portion of my life has been at the Mm -hmm. same publisher you know um so i find my deal finally ends next year so i'm excited to see what new opportunities there are but um yeah i mean it's been it's been a wild ride sure Um, well okay so now you 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 spent you send this deal you eventually get this r R kelly cut and did that come from tell me i guess a little bit about that because that must have started the ball rolling right because once you get that then maybe it opens up doors or you get other opportunities from that, like, uh, or was there something that happened prior to that or, or am I totally off? I guess you tell so, me. I mean, it, it depends. Yeah. So, okay. I got this R Kelly cut. It, I had a session with this guy that knew R Kelly and we did this song and I came up with this idea like about Oreos. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the song, but um, I have, I know. What, okay, I know yeah. Talking. So I came up, I'm like, what if we said, would this be crazy to say? What if we said, mm-hmm. Like in a real right, and then the song happened. Whatever, it got played for R. Kelly. He really liked it. He wrote a third verse. The song came out. Voila! I thought, oh shit, I'm about to be in every single room, right? Right, and right. It's not how it goes. Like it's just not how it is. Like you can have one of the biggest songs, and you can still get sessions. Um, but it just, you know, honestly, every time I've had a song come out, I'm like, this is a song. It's changing everything, and mm-hmm. every time I'm like waiting by the phone it's not ringing you know what i mean like (laughs) what's going on it's just it's just a very cutthroat industry and you gotta you have to really have momentum like song after song and this and this and that and get like making all this making people like always being in people's face and at the forefront of their mind you know Mm -hmm. um so that happened and i got a number one in australia with jessica malboy and i'm like oh snap i never even been to australia that's impressive as shit right right (laughs) totally you're like i've never been there got a number one record there you know no big deal the girl working with me at the time at my publisher was like well i mean it's not a number one in america so (laughs) who cares you know like, like Oh, uh, you're like, you know, do you know so how many big bands have came out of Australia? <laughs> right. No, I know. And then, and then, you know, it was like that for K-pop at first as well, because I was there way before it was popular mm-hmm. and I knew of a group called 21 and that's why I really wanted to write for them. Um, and I, I got out there and I was, I started getting all these number ones in Korea and nobody cared either. Mm, well, that's Korea. It's not, it's like, what's the market what's the number of the market in the world you know it was just like everything uh, off. nobody cared you know it's and like then, similar to like if you made it big in a certain market here in the states like oh cool like you sold out this town of 50 you know, type right. type deal okay i got right. you it was like one of those because you know there's like ranked markets and japan yeah, yeah. Really, like i think is one of the top markets in the world as well for music mm-hmm. um so it was just kind of like you know nobody cared again and then during my time there, I met these trainees who there were seven of them. And I got asked, Hey, can you give them some of your songs to sing? And can you like, maybe go and vocal produce them for that song that you wrote? And can you do this, this and that, whatever. Well, those girls went from seven to four and then they went to being called black pink. 
So <laughs> that's crazy. You know, it was like, I've, you know, been around for a while. And because of all my work before that, mm-hmm. I happened to get brought into this thing that nobody knew what it was going to be. It was just these young girls that were, you know, we'd go and we'd watch them perform in the downstairs dance area and then, you know, give critiques and, you know, whatever. And, and it just, I mean, it just blew up bigger than anybody would have ever known. So it's like, I just feel like a lot of things that have happened in my life were kind of by accident or just Mm -hmm. like, there is no, there was no thought of, Oh, this is going to, you know, like, right. This is the moment that it's going right. to kind of change yeah. with that though. You, I mean, you obviously, or maybe you do, do you speak Korean? Like they translate all the songs then. So, yeah. So um, I don't really speak Korean that much. I can understand a little bit after living there for a while. And I had a Korean tutor, but it's very hard for me to rearrange the sentence structure. So like I can mm-hmm. say certain phrases, but like, I can't really put a sentence together, but, um, but yeah. So most of the time, all the songs they've written in English, like they start in English, like even from the other person I work with that um, speaks in, like is fluent in Korean. He mm-hmm. even writes all the songs in English before putting them in Korean. Okay. Yo, yeah. Cause if you watch the videos, like if you watch a video from, from Blackpink mm-hmm. when they're singing, they translates it on the screen. Like right, they'll yeah. give you the, the, you know, English lyrics. Right. Well, so I, mean, that's why I was curious also, to see I mean, if that was kind of how, like if you wrote them out and you're like, OK, this is how the songs go. This is the melody, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody can translate this, I guess. Well, there's some things that in English just don't translate well to Korean. So sometimes the song is written a certain way in English. It'll be all new concept and lyric in Korean. So if I, you know, the, mm-hmm. like the past couple of songs like Money, that was mostly that was in all English um that I wrote originally and then um and then like La Lisa that came out so that has some Korean in it um Mm -hmm. but it was all you know concepts get tweaked a little you know Mm -hmm. certain words in English stay but right like whistle like when I watched whistle they they that's the the hook is she sings it in English or they sing it in English but then it you know obviously doesn't stay that way yeah um it just kind of it just depends on the moment but yeah like because if you if you're seeing some of the translations of some of the songs that's not what the english was it's it's just because korean there are certain phrases in korean that it looks it translates weird in english when you're reading it you're like oh that's kind of a random sentence but it makes sense Mm -hmm. in korean so yeah it's kind of it can be difficult to make everything like also because we have so much slang in america that to translate that into Korean can also like, there's no word for it, you know? Right, right, right. So, well, you write for both, you still write songs for other people as well as doing your artist project, right? Yeah. Okay. Cause I did see that you wrote uh, a song for that marry me film and you wrote it with, uh, with uh, Jenna Andrews. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's cool. I've had a chance to, to chat with her before as well. Yeah. And she's in that K-pop world too with BTS. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, like, so when does your, obviously you always wanted to be an artist. So when does that actually get to happen for you where you get to release a song that is yours, you get to come out as Becca boom. And you're like, okay, here's my, my artist project. Here's my song. That's not something that you're going to take and try to pitch or. Um, I mean, there's definitely moments of intention where I'm like, I go in knowing, like, I'm not going to give this song. I don't care who it is. Like, this song is for me. Um, mm-hmm. And 
But I think, again, with me, you know, some people say it's impossible to be a writer and an artist at the same time. But I disagree because I feel like with someone like me, like writing comes very, very easily to me. And I have so many ways of saying things and so many styles that it's like, I don't think there will ever be a time where every single song I write could just go to me. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there, I have so much stuff that can go to other people, but then there's the Becca Bloom as an artist. It's like, I know exactly what I want to say. I, this is me. This is who my target audience. And, you know, I have a message that has relayed through these songs. And I'm kind of at the point now where I took the backseat for so long, kind of not even knowing I was in the backseat. It was like mm-hmm. waiting for certain promises. And then those promises never came for me, but like, everyone else kind of took off and I, you know, all these other things I was doing, it worked out for everyone else, but you know, my artisting got like pushback. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm at the point now where I'm independent, like I'm not signed as an artist, and I want to um, just take my artist career in my own hands, you know, and do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to offer me, you know, this, this and that. And then I'm just waiting for months and it doesn't happen. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to live that life anymore. As an artist, you have this idea of, Oh, if I could come out in the most grand way and I have this and I have this huge budget for that. I mean, that's any artist's dream, you know, but it kind of, it'll just stay a dream if you sit there for years waiting for it to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, like I have a daughter, I have a four-year-old. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. I have a and, six-year-old and a oh, 14-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I, so, you know, for me as a mom, to especially to a little girl, you know, it's like I look at her and I'm like, oh, you can have the world. You can have this. You can have that, you know. And I kind of felt that dying in me a little bit after like for myself, because I, I've gone through so much. I've been in the industry for so long Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels, you feel like, Oh, maybe it's not for me and maybe it won't, you know, this and that. But then I'm, I had this like kind of like spark come into my life this year where I was like, what a hypocrite I am knowing that I'm going to grow up and my daughter's going to grow up with me telling her, you can do anything. You can be anything. You can have anything you want. You can have any, any dream that you dream, you can go make happen. And then one day she's going to ask me about me and I'm going to say, well, I want to do this, this and that. But instead I got shoved in the back room and I wrote songs for everyone else. And uh, then I had you and then I just gave up on everything. You know, it's like <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense. And it's like, you know, as as women that become mothers. Right. It's like once you become a mother, there is this. There is all these unrealistic expect- expectations put on you. And it's like you are a mom. You don't even have a name anymore you know? Mm -hmm. And as yes, I'm a mother. I love that. I love my daughter. She's the greatest, but I'm a woman. And at one point, you know, even to this day, my mom thought about me, what I think about my daughter. And I'm just as entitled to go and pursue my dreams as I look at my daughter and think you can have anything, you know, like, Mm -hmm. why don't I feel that for me anymore? So it's been this whole thing for me where, you know, you that's the other thing about the music industry and just life in general you people think that when they see you a certain way and see these accomplishments that your life is yes 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 this this money cash blah blah right (laughs) Right. it's I can't even tell you I mean probably in the thousands how many times oh one day you'll be a hit songwriter but yeah your songs are not hits oh that mm, 
no, next time. Mm, I don't think, I don't think you should be an artist. Oh, you want to rap? Mm, you should just be a singer. Oh, I don't like your singing. You should just be a rapper. You know, like any, I mean, for most of my life from, you know, 16 till now, it's everyone has an opinion. Any, everyone wants to tell you why you can't do something, why you're not good enough. They want to tell you no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, I think it's impossible for that to have zero effect on you over time. It all like creeps up and, you know, and you kind of get to that point where I don't know, maybe is maybe are they right? You know? And, and it's, mm -hmm. that's what I was saying earlier, that girl that I was when I started of like, are you crazy? Did you not listen? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm in my moment of getting back to her and I love what I do. I love my music. Like I'm my biggest fan. My daughter sings my songs too. That's you know? Cool. Yeah. And yeah. I want I what I'm being for myself. I want to empower other people that listen to my music to feel like that. Like I want them to have that three minutes and 30 seconds in the car on the way to a job that they hate about to have a shitty day. I want them to have that three minutes and 30 seconds of feeling like they are the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Like, you know, joy, bliss, whatever, whatever emotion that's being expressed. I want them to feel that wholeheartedly for that three minutes and 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Know that that was their safe space. And that was their like moment to feel bigger than anything, you know? I love that. So, yeah. With, well, you didn't, was the last song prior to Anime mm -hmm. Eyes, the song Designer Love? Was that the, the was, one before? Yeah. So you had a couple of years in between putting a song out, you know, under your name. Okay. Yeah. Well, was, was it just because you were doing other yet other projects <laughs> or other, you're just writing with other people or like what made you decide I'm going to, this is my song again, here's anime eyes. I love the song. I'm putting it out. Well, it was kind of, um, you know, it was like pandemic era. <laughs> mm, sure. <laughs> um, and I, I just kind of like I when designer love was coming out, I was like getting out of this negative place that I had been in and then pandemic happened. And then I kind of sunk back into that. And so I just had a lot of like, I was just struggling um, mm -hmm. a lot mentally and emotionally. And I just like, just didn't feel good about myself and was in that, that darker mode of like, well, maybe it's not this, maybe it's not that, you know? And, and, you know, it's hard when you put out a song and you, you know, you want every song to be that song that pops off, you know, and sometimes it doesn't happen. And then that can weigh on you as well, you know? Um, so it was just kind of my moment to like, it was kind of like my little pity party moment. I mean, I was still working, I was doing other stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just enjoying my daughter and being home and enjoying my house. And, you know, I just got really sunken into like, I'm like half introvert, half extrovert. Right. So mm -hmm. like, I really went full introvert and, <laughs> um, and yeah, so it was, it was more that it was more a personal thing. It wasn't necessarily like, I didn't think any song would be good for me. I did work on songs for myself during that time. Um, but yeah, I'm at a, like I said, I'm at a place now where I'm like, you know, I actually sat on this idea for anime eyes. I had this idea for the song for like a year and I just oh, never wow. felt like the producers I was with, like one, like they might give me a hard time and I let me have the track, you know, or like charge me something crazy or, you know, maybe it's just like, I don't want to start this idea. And then, cause once you get too many cooks in the kitchen, it's very hard to like, everybody wants something, you know? Right. So I brought it to my friend cook classics. who was amazing. And it just like felt right. And so that was, finally anime eyes moment to shine um so it's a little bit of that it's about strategy you know personal 
all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cook Classics has done a bunch of big records. Yeah. He's amazing. So, yeah. So was that something you just kind of knew that that's who you wanted to go with or it just kind of happened organically like that? So, I mean, he's kind of the one person over the pandemic that like we would Zoom frequently. We would do songs. Oh, cool. You know? And um, I really, really value him. I think he's just the best. And it just kind of, yeah, it just made sense. And he's always been fully supportive of me in all endeavors is my artist stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think about it? Would you be willing, you know? And, and yeah, it just kind of happened naturally and organically. Um, and then at the end it was, you know, me being my perfectionist self of like, can you fix this? Can you take that out? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I probably sure. drove him crazy at the end, but he's the best. Um, yeah. Well, it's a great song. Um, are you. you? Do you have other? Um, obviously, you're probably always writing, but um, is it going to be like? Do you have a body of work you want to release as, as an artist, or just more singles? So I'm probably going to do two more singles throughout this year, and then mm-hmm. beginning of next year, I want to put out either an EP or like a mini album type of thing. Um, but yeah, I already have about five songs lined up. Oh, exciting! Yeah. Um, and then. You know, like seeing if I can squeeze anything new in there and exciting um, that might beat out one of the other ones. But definitely that is the goal to release a whole thing. Um, I've done the singles thing, you know, but I feel very, very confident and strongly about the songs I'm putting out this year. Like, I love Anime Eyes so much. I feel like it's a huge representation of who I am as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little more... I have like these two sides to me, you know, and one is less confident and it's like my normal regular self. Right. And then I go in back a boom mode and like the regular me is like really like, right. Like just like weird and goofy and always making jokes and this and this and that. And Becca boom is more like fierce, you know, confident, like I don't give a fuck, you know, type of vibe. Um, And I feel like, you know, all my friends know me as my goofy, weird self. Like they get to see both. And so I feel like anime eyes is kind of like, I still got to be strong and confident and fierce and this, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like an anime nerd and I like watch anime all the time. And I have like, I have like pin boards of anime and I have like all this anime merch and gear or whatever, you know? And so it's a little bit more of like who I actually am, you know? Mm-hmm. And with with the blend of it so and then my next song that i'm going to be putting out is like a more sexy vibe um and i feel like yeah i don't know i just feel like these these next couple songs just have feel like they have a certain magic in them that you know i love my other songs i put out but i just feel like these ones really you know they got that extra something so <laughs> very cool very cool yeah. well again i love what you're what you're doing i love the song that you just put out into my eyes and i can't wait to hear this this next one when it when it finally comes out and i appreciate your time today this has been so much fun becca thank you so much thank you so much yeah, i have one more question for you before i let you go um okay. do you have any advice for aspiring artists oh okay um my advice would be really if you really really believe in something an idea you know um a song don't just give up because somebody says no um there is going to be so many people that want to be able to say oh i told her you know why she did that you know why he did that i told them to do that i told them that a lot of people 
give opinions or advice because they just want to be a part of something, you know? So don't go and change everything about yourself or when you really believe in something you're saying or doing just because you're getting that pushback from people. Some of the biggest artists of all time were dropped from labels multiple times, told no, you know, said nobody would believe in them. Nobody would get it. And, you know, we look at Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Eminem, Mm -hmm. Prince, you know what I mean? Like, it's just some of the biggest artists ever. They just stuck by what they believed and would stay true to themselves. And I think in this industry where everybody wants to do this and you got to do that if you want to be successful, you got to do this, like to be able to stay true to yourself. I think people believe that and they recognize when it's real and it's authentic and it's honest, Mm -hmm. you know? So that would be my biggest advice in a world full of no's say yes to yourself Bring it back for you.